Welcome to HBW's Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley and I'll be chatting with industry experts and insiders about the latest trends, issues and intelligence in consumer healthcare. Digitalisation is a hot topic in consumer health and digital health covers a broad spectrum of applications from wellness apps to virtual reality therapeutics. In this episode, HBW Insight speaks to regulatory expert Jamie Hatzel to get some clarity on software as a medical device, a subset of medical device regulatory frameworks within which many digital health applications are classified. In the first part of a two-part podcast, Hatzel briefly outlines the UK and EU regulatory approaches to SAMDs before we discuss specific examples such as symptom trackers, wellness apps and digital therapeutics. In the second part, we talk about artificial intelligence, how incoming AI regulations will impact SAMDs and whether OTC firms should take the plunge into this highly regulated but nevertheless very exciting space. Hi Jamie, welcome to HBW Insights Over the Counter podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you David. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. So would you just like to introduce yourself uh, and what you do quickly? Yes, absolutely. My name is Jamie Hatzel. I'm an associate in the life sciences uh, regulatory team at Bristow's in London. Uh, We are a full service law firm, as I say, based in London, catering to the technology and life sciences sector. We're going to be talking about digital health today. So as you can imagine, digital health is slap bang right in the middle of what we are interested in. Uh, What I do is life sciences regulatory. My team deals with regulation in the UK and in the EU of everything from medicines to medical devices, clinical research to human tissue. And we do that all day, every day. Uh, Clearly, digital health products are right within our remit. We generally think of those sorts of products through the lens of software as a medical device or SAMD, as we often call it. Exactly. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise, which, as you say, uh, Bristow's and yourself seems to be, um, you know, really dealing in this area. It's a new area for HBW Insight, really, being a consumer healthcare uh, publication and podcast now. Uh, So I think it's useful for us just to understand what exactly it is to begin with. Um, So maybe you could explain what a software as a medical device is or SAMD. And maybe, you know, what is a what is an example of a software as a medical device? Uh, when is when is digital health one of these and not something else? Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, digital health is quite a nebulous concept which can encompass all kinds of different um, software products to help you stay in shape, look better, lose weight whatever um we tend to get as i say we tend to get interested in digital health when it crosses that line into being a medical device and basically a digital health software app will become a medical device when it meets the statutory definition of a medical device i'm going to talk first about the eu if that's okay because we we need to look at the eu and the uk separately of course Um, but at least in in the EU, these products are regulated by the EU MDR. That's the Medical Devices Regulation. 
And under the EU MDR uh, software, whether that's a digital health app or otherwise, is a medical device when it's intended to be used for a relevant medical purpose for the benefit of an individual person. We, we tend to focus mainly on, on those relevant medical purposes. Those are the most determinative. And there's a whole list of them set out in the EU MDR. Uh, the common one, some common ones are diagnosis of disease or disability, monitoring of disease or disability, treatment of disease or disability, or investigation of a physiological or pathological process. Um, now, it's, it, within that, within medical devices, you've also got this funny little subset called in vitro diagnostic medical devices. There's a special definition of those which is set out in the IVDR, that's the in vitro diagnostic medical device regulation, basically the counterpart to the EU MDR. That's a particular kind of medical device that provides information to the user based on human tissue samples. Um, software can qualify as that, um, but that's really quite a rare kind of medical device in consumer digital health. So I, I'm just going to steer away and mostly ignore that. Um, so looking at software as a medical device under the EU MDR, if you meet that definition, then you're going to be regulated under the MDR. And what that means is before that product can be placed on the market, that is commercialized in the EU or Northern Ireland, yay Brexit, um, those products have to undergo conformity assessment which is basically a procedure to verify that the product complies with the safety and performance requirements, which are set out in the MDR. And then once you've completed that conformity assessment and you've passed and you've ticked all the boxes and shown, yep, this complies with the regulations, you have to affix a CE mark. And the CE mark is the sign which basically shows that you've complied with the regulations and that the product can be sold in the EU. Now, certain medical devices are considered to be low risk and in that case manufacturers can just do their own conformity assessment and can affix a CE mark without any third-party oversight. They basically get to self-certify their product. Now ever since the introduction of the MDR, SAMDs almost never fall into that category because of a nice little risk classification rule number 11. Uh, as a result, SAMDs under the MDR must almost always undergo conformity assessment by what we call a notified body, uh, which is basically a third party certifi uh, certification organization like BSI, or TUVSUD or DECRA. Um, and, and that body uh, basically verifies that the manufacturer has done everything that they need to do to demonstrate that the SAMD complies with the EU MDR. Now, once you've got all of that stuff out of the way and your product is ready to be placed on the market, great. Um, but now uh, the manufacturer of the medical device, any importers or any distributors of that medical device have detailed regulatory obligations that they have to comply with while they're commercializing the product. So regulatory compliance is a fairly comprehensive and ongoing project when it comes to medical devices. That's, that's a really good, um, very clear step-by-step, uh, -step, I think, explanation of what happens when a you know manufacturer wants to put something on the market, which is exactly obviously what our listeners are interested in. So you mentioned Brexit. 
Yes. Now, you know, the UK may or may not have diverged from this framework post, you know, uh, transitional periods, etc. Is it different in the UK? So as I briefly alluded to there, Northern Ireland is subject to the EU rules, is subject to the EU MDR and the IVDR. And as you may have guessed, that's by virtue of the Northern Ireland Protocol, which has been endlessly in the news uh, for such a very long period of time now. Uh, But the rest of the UK, that is Great Britain, uh, England, Wales and Scotland. Collectively, they are not subject to the MDR or the IVDR, and they've actually got their own rules. Um, Great Britain uh, is continuing to implement a version of the EU's old regulatory framework as the Medical Device Directive and uh, two further directives as well. Little need to go into that, Uh, but Great Britain's version of that is called the UK MDR, the UK Medical Devices Regulations. Because that's a version of the EU's old regulatory framework, they've got quite a lot of concepts in common, and certainly the definition of a medical device is about the same. So if you've got a digital health app which qualifies as a medical device in the EU, it's highly likely that it's also going to qualify as a medical device in Great Britain. Uh, As I say, uh, there are a lot of concepts in common. So the UK MDR is also based on conformity assessment and application of a conformity marking to medical devices. Uh, The UK's conformity marking is the UKCA mark, which some of your listeners might have heard of before. Um, As well as that, uh, there are obligations which then apply to the entities in the supply chain for medical devices, but they're less exacting than under the EU rules, at least for the time being. We are due to get a new medical device regulatory framework for Great Britain, Uh, We're expecting draft legislation on that later this year. Um, We haven't had any sight of what exactly is going to be in it, but the expectation right now is that it's going to look an awful lot like the MDR and the IVDR. Because, of course, you know, if you are manufacturing something in the UK that you want to sell in the EU, they're going to have to be reasonably similar, aren't they, really? Yes, yes, pretty much. I mean, as I say, there are different regulatory obligations that you're going to have to comply with. Um, But this actually brings us on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is that for the time being, Great Britain is unilaterally recognising CE marks um, applied under EU law. So if you've got a device which has undergone conformity assessment under the EU MDR can lawfully be placed on the market in the EU. It can also be lawfully placed on the market in Great Britain. Um, and as a result, we actually see very few clients who have got a UKCA marked medical device of any kind. You know, why go through two processes when you can just go through one? I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Also check out HPW Insight at hpw.pharmaintelligence.informa.com for all the latest health, beauty and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening, this episode continues now.
We're interested in consumer digital health um, specifically, as mentioned, in being consumer health uh, industry publication. So maybe it'd be quite useful just to kind of talk about um, a couple of examples uh, that people might be familiar with in order to kind of get a bit clearer on on these regulatory differences. So one of the things that you see a lot um, maybe in consumer digital health will be like um, symptom checkers or something like this, you know, mm, some sort of yeah. um, app that you can download for free or maybe a website, you know, um, where you interact with some sort of, you know, decision tree type thing. Um, you know, I feel like this, you know, do you have this symptom? Does, you know, have you got this? And then it will lead you maybe to, um, I suppose from a consumer health point of view, it might lead you to a product. It might say, oh, why don't you buy this product? Or, yeah. you know, if it's looking a little bit, uh, you know, more serious than a minor ailment, it might say, go and see your doctor. Um, is that, would that be an example of a software as a medical device? I mean, the question that we always have to ask ourselves, going back to my um, fairly long spiel at the beginning, um, is that... Uh, if software has a medical purpose, one of the listed medical purposes under the EU MDR or under the UK MDR, it's highly likely that that product is going to be regulated as a medical device. Um, recall that one of those medical purposes was diagnosis of injury or disease. You know, it, it, if you're going into this symptom checker and you are providing information about yourself and then that symptom checker is spitting out um either this is definitely what you've got go to the doctor right now or this is probably what you've got why don't you buy this treatment or you could have any of these three things uh, certainly in the eyes of um the EU's guidance issuing bodies and in the eyes of the MHRA, which is the UK's regulator, that is diagnostic. And it is very highly likely that you are therefore going to be an SAMD in that context. So what about um, things like Fitbits or, you know, like a sleep tracker or like a wellness thing? Are they Would they also fall under the SAMD re- uh, definition, do you think? Well, I, I really don't want to comment too specifically on any particular product like a Fitbit or anything like that, because I haven't looked at it in detail. And the devil is absolutely always in the detail with these things. You have to look at them very closely and consider whether the the definition is or is not met. You know, the, the, the UK and the EU institutions have devoted reams upon reams of uh, guidance to clarifying the borderline between what is and is not a medical device. Um, But there are certainly some fairly common digital health products which uh, are not, in fact, medical devices because they don't have a relevant medical purpose. One category that you will see very commonly online is uh, an app which you use to record your diet and exercise. The idea being that by recording that information in like a digital diary and having it presented back to you in graph form, it kind of holds you accountable on your fitness journey. Um, Because that's purely 
recording information. It's not doing anything with it. It's not processing it for the user's benefit in any way. That is highly unlikely to be a medical device. And so while we think of it as digital health, it's not regulated in the same way as some of the SAMDs that we've just been talking about. You have some other apps which are just purely informational. You know, you might have uh, an app which is basically just a booklet providing generic information about a particular health condition that a user can click through. Again, it, it's just presenting something which could otherwise be recorded in paper form and provided to you. That's not going to be regulated as a medical device. Uh, one kind of app which is quite interesting, which has became of particular importance during the COVID pandemic, is the sort of um, public health apps where individuals genuinely do put in information about themselves. You know, that could be age, height, weight, any symptoms that they're suffering from at that time, such as whether they've got a cough or anything else. And that app gathers that information and it processes it. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't provide information back to the user again to tell them something about the condition that they're suffering from. That data is just aggregated and is used to understand sort of the overall health of the population as a whole. It's performing a public health role. And as a result, it's not a medical device because it's not for the benefit of an individual patient. This is an interesting case as well, isn't it? Because it it, put, it brings out this whole thing about intended use in the um, medical devices regulations in general. You know, the intended use there is for public health. It's for the government to be able to, uh, you know, provide better health care to the population in general for you know local healthcare providers like hospitals or whatever to be able to manage patients uh but on a population level isn't it so i mean yeah. there's a very clear di clear difference to an individual trying to manage their health and an, and an app directly influencing that isn't there That's absolutely although you've got it's intended use is absolutely everything but the, the trap to avoid falling into is thinking that a product only has one intended use. It, it, it may well have a primary intended use. Very often manufacturers have ideas about what their app is for. But you have to look at it in the round and you have to look at every single individual intended use that the user would understand that product to have. You know, you, you may say, oh, no, this only has a public health function. But if you're feeding back information to the user that they can use to make basically clinical decisions about the kind of healthcare that they're going to seek and the kind of products that they're going to buy, then it's highly likely that you're going to cross the line into being a medical device, even though you didn't intend to. And of, and of course, you we when we chatted about this before, we also discussed that you can't just think, well, as a manufacturer, this is the intended use. And then that will be the end of the story. That's not it's not based on what you intended as a as a producer of the app, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, is it while the the legislation talks about the intended use, which is ascribed to the device by the manufacturer? In practice, regulators don't look at it that way. You, you don't just get to say this is the intended use of my device. The regulator will look at everything that you're saying about your device in the round in the instructions for use in any advertising on your packaging all the rest of it and they will ask you know what would basically an objective third party understand your intended use to be based on the information that you're providing to them so 
you, you, you can't really have a device which is very, very clearly a diagnostic of some form, one of those symptom checkers that, that we were talking about, but then have some sly little disclaimer in the terms and conditions saying, oh, don't use this as a medical device. Always seek the advice of your healthcare professional, because that's just not what the, that's not what the user is going to understand that device to be for. So before we move on to um, talk about artificial intelligence, which I think will be really interesting, there's one more uh, category of products that that I've recently started writing about that I'm seeing a lot in uh, in the medtech side, and our colleagues in medtech insight have been writing about this a lot. Something called a digital therapeutic. And I think you know these are mostly prescription uh, things. Uh, hopefully, going to shed some light on exactly what they are because um, it is very new to us, but. You know, I have seen a couple of examples that maybe could be called OTC in some respect. Um, I think maybe that's not the right way to talk about them. But yeah, maybe you could just explain what is a digital therapeutic and, and you know, is this a consumer health thing or not? Well, I, I wonder, can I put that back to you, David? What do you think of as a digital therapeutic before I give you my particular interpretation of this? <laughs> I'm being interviewed now. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from what I've seen, you know, it's a, it's it's some it's a kind of digital thing. Obviously, um, it's not a you know it's not a pill or something that is that is addressing a condition of some sort. So it's you know it's doing what a medicine would do. You take a drug for a condition, and that drug will help you, you know, manage or uh, you know, deal with that condition. And the digital therapeutic basically does that purely, you know, in a digital way. Um, how's that? It, I think I'd agree with that entirely. I mean, the way that I would define a digital therapeutic would be as a software product, which in and of itself has a therapeutic effect, you know, as you say, treats or manages a disease or perhaps an injury and is it because it's there purporting to treat an injury or a disease that's going to make it a software medical device um, that's a, a much better <laughs> much better definition but yeah it's, it's uh, all the same words not necessarily in order <laughs> um is it so you mentioned in this question the the idea of a prescription only digital therapeutic and also an OTC that's an over-the-counter digital therapeutic. Um, I just want to have a quick discussion of those phrases like looking at OTCs and prescription onlys or POMs as we sometimes call them. Those classifications under UK and EU law at least only really exist in relation to medicines. You get medicines, which are OTCs, you get medicines which are pharmacy only, and you get medicines which are prescription only. And those classifications restrict how those medicines can be marketed and sold. Those same classifications don't exist for medical devices. So in principle, at least, there's no hardcore restriction on marketing software as a medical device directly to consumers. In that sense, we can say that they are OTC. 
um, in that they can be direct to consumer. Um, there's, a, there's an interesting little caveat though, um, which is that a medical device can't be advertised or made available, whether that's by its manufacturer or by anyone else in the supply chain, other than in accordance with the intended purpose for which it has undergone a conformity assessment. That is effectively a prohibition on the off-label promotion or sale of a medical device. That prohibition is set out expressly in EU law in the MDR, but it was always considered to be implicit in the old EU medical device regulatory framework and the UK MDR, which is still based on it. So if you, if you take that a step further, you, you can imagine that a medical device may well have undergone conformity assessment as a device which should only be used under the direction of a healthcare professional. Now, if someone in the supply chain then gets their hands on this thing and starts marketing it directly to consumers for them to use at home, they're marketing it other than in accordance with the intended purpose for which it's been authorized, and therefore they're going to be in breach of the regulations. So once again, we're coming back to intended purpose all over again, and what a particular, yeah, let's bring this back to digital therapeutics, you know, let's ask, what has that digital, what's that digital therapeutic intended to be used for? How is it intended to be used? And what has it undergone conformity assessment for? And if it's not undergone conformity assessment for use by consumers in their home, not uh, under the supervision of a doctor, then you basically have this kind of soft restriction on selling them over the counter. Yeah, that is really clear, actually. And I think it's important to make that distinction. Like you say, there are different regulatory frameworks, aren't there? And, and the OTC prescription one is from medicines. Yes, um, uh, uh, it's in the UK and in EU law, at least. I, I know that in the United States, you do get prescription only medical devices. Uh, I understand from talking to one of my colleagues here that there are some European member states which have the same concept when it comes to medical devices. That's just not something that it exists at the EU law level, and it's not something that exists in UK law. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Farmer Intelligence Podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.